Good day and welcome to today's Capital One Live webinar on collaboration culture, developing an effective and creative team environment in your department. Thanks for joining us for this important session as we discuss workplace culture, what it takes to develop and sustain a meaningful workplace experience as we come out of the pandemic and with all the challenges facing us. I'm Tony Neely of the University of Kentucky and a member of the College Sports Communicators Professional Development and Education Committee, and I will serve as webinar moderator today. Uh, before we begin and introduce our panelists, we would like to say a quick thank you to our corporate partner, Capital One, presenting sponsor of CSC's Professional Development and Continuing Education Series. And we welcome your questions at any time. Just place them in the attendee hub section and you can ask anonymously if you wish. Uh, we've got a lot to cover, so let's get started. And we appreciate you joining us today. All right, let's introduce our today's guest panelists. We have Lisa Campos, uh, who's a first generation graduate of Colorado State University. Uh, spent 12 years at the University of Texas at El Paso in various roles. Uh, then moved to the University of Northern, or I'm sorry, Northern, Ari Northern Arizona University, where she spent five years as the Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics, had tremendous success at Northern Arizona. All right. It seems that we might have had a technical difficulty and, and we've lost Tony. Um, I'm getting some communication if Tony does come back, but um, I can finish uh, the introduction. Um, I'm not sure how far he got, but yes, was the athletic director at Northern Arizona University for five years and then have had the great pleasure of um, leading the um, athletics department um, here at the University of Texas at San Antonio UTSA for the past five years where we've had tremendous growth and, and a lot of great things that have happened. Um, I will I will push it to Ali if you would like to introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Uh, Ali Paquette, I'm the Assistant Athletic Director and Director of Athletic Communications at Middlebury College. Uh, started out at Middlebury as an intern uh, transitioned into a full-time capacity in athletic communications at Wesleyan University um, in Connecticut. And then I came back to Middlebury a couple of years ago as an, an assistant here uh, and recently uh, was promoted into my current role here at Middlebury um, just this past May. So very excited to be here. And I think I see Tony jumping back on here. So I'll let him uh, take it away here. Well, in the days following COVID, uh, what's what's life without a technical difficulty on Zoom? So, uh, Allie, appreciate you jumping in and uh, uh, introducing yourself uh, for this. Not sure how much we did finish up with Lisa or not, but do want to let folks know uh, she spent five years at Northern Arizona University as Vice President of Intercollegiate Athletics. Uh, did a fantastic job there. Uh, it has moved over to the University of Texas at San Antonio, uh, where they set school records for academic success. Uh, fundraising, uh, uh, a lot of facility construction, and currently sit atop the Conference USA football standings after having won the championship uh, a year ago. So we will get into uh, our topics today. And uh, 
Lisa, we will begin with you. Uh, you you're a big picture global person because uh, being the, the head of the athletic department there. Tell me about how you see culture uh, in the athletic department. Uh, because you've got 17 teams, you've got obviously countless support units, uh, obviously communications, but business office, athletic training, and so forth down the line, academics, and so forth. So uh, tell us your how you view culture as an athletic department in a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of culture is flexibility. So we like to always be flexible as, as we have technology um, issues. But um, yeah, thank you for the introduction. Thanks for having me here. In terms of culture, I mean, that that is what sets departments apart, right? Organizations apart. And at a high level, you know, it can't just happen from the top. It may be led from the top, but it has to be something that everybody embraces. And culture looks different um, at all, you know, different institutions at different athletic departments. But it is, um, you know, I, we all know this. I'm talking to the, to the choir that we know the most successful athletic programs, um, sport programs may not have the best talent, but they could have the best culture. And you know, we, we, if you've not had a chance to follow Jeff Trailer, our head football coach, he is amazing at creating culture. And, um, and those, that team does not stop believing because their culture is so tight. So culture um, within our department is really important in how we build that, particularly after the pandemic, you know, we had a lot of growth. Um, I'd been here about two years before the pandemic, we were getting some momentum pandemic hit. And that switched, you know, we had a we had a pivot, all of us did. And so rebuilding that culture, we have new new folks, we had people who had never even been introduced to each other in person. Um, so rebuilding that culture is really critical. And it's part of our Roadrunner game plan, which is our strategic plan. Well, as you just actually just mentioned that, tell us about how you've seen culture different in the uh, post-COVID, well, not necessarily post-COVID, but since we've kind of gotten back to uh, somewhat of a semblance of, of normalcy, uh, how have you seen culture change? What uh, what differences ha have you seen in that uh, uh, from the, the pre-COVID days? Yeah, I think there it, it's a level of appreciation, right? A level of appreciation of, of what we had um, while we were together and how we could celebrate each other in person. And, and then an appreciation of how we can do things like this now, right? That we've been able, I think we're really proud of how we were able to pivot, transition, be flexible, provide our student athletes and some really great things as we all know on this call came out of COVID on how, again, how we pivoted, how we let go of things that we needed no longer to do, how we had become more efficient in our, um, in, in meeting, you know, like this, that I didn't have to fly across the country in front of everybody to, to have this sort of um, webinar. And so it's, um, but I think too, we are feeling, I think as a nation, wanting to be connected we have we lost that connection and, and different people did it in different ways, right? You think about our development folks who that is who they are. They are relationship. They're with people all the time um, to our support service folks who lost that connection with student athletes on a daily basis. So I think right now that the focus real is really about being connected um, amongst each other again. Okay. All right. And we'll uh, jump over to Allie. And one thing as I, I got back in, I know she was going over the, the steps of her career. 
one thing that uh, she, I'm, I'm guessing she did not mention, is that she was the winner of the 2022 Rising Star Award uh, for College Sports Communicators. Of course, it was Cosida just a few few months ago. So, uh, Allie, congratulations for that. And and it's kind of befitting that the first question will uh, kind of play into uh, the fact that you are a rising star in this industry. Uh, your first job uh, coming out of college was at Middlebury. And after moving away for a little bit, you've returned to Middlebury. And, and at this point in a relatively young career, you're already at the assistant AD, head of the office and so forth. Um, tell us about the, the culture of that when you're one of the younger leaders in the athletics department and what you have to do to um, establish respect for your office when you've got a, a young group like that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Tony. It's a great question. Uh, and I think it's something that people can relate to, um, whether they're young, maybe they're new in the field, uh, or just transitioning to a different school. Uh, I think the first step is relationship building. Um, and for me, um, I wanted our staff here and our coaches to have a really collaborative culture, one where they can stop by our offices anytime with feedback, with constructive criticism, uh, just to ask a question on how to do something. Um, and I think in order to have a healthy culture, you do need trust. And that just takes some time. Um, whether you're coming into a department that maybe um, didn't have a great environment before, or maybe people loved the person that you replaced, or you know you got the job over a coach's best friend, or whatever the case may be, um, establishing trust just takes, takes time. Um, so being patient, meeting people where they are, um, meeting them where they are, um, was here before you. Um, so I, you know, I just transitioned into this role in May, so I don't have it all figured out. Uh, I'm learning every day, but I think having those open lines of communication, um, and just ensuring that, um, the people that you're serving alongside and the people you are serving, um, just know that they can come to you. Uh, is a really good first step in starting to build that culture, build that trust, um, and then just being patient with yourself. Um, you know, we all have people that we work really well with, people that maybe we don't. Um, and so just being patient with relationships that do take longer and you do have to invest more in um, and knowing that it's not going to happen in a day, a couple weeks, months, maybe even a year, two years, um, just being patient with, you know, that person and, and yourself as well. Okay. You talked about reaching out to build a collaborative culture within the athletics department, let folks know, hey, our door is open. Uh, can you give us kind of any, any examples of how you've done that uh, in terms of reaching out? I know that uh, uh, every school has a large sports program, and it is difficult to have a relationship with all of the coaches and all the assistant coaches. Uh, then you've got hundreds of student athletes. Uh, tell us how you've been intentional uh, about reaching out to build the collaborative culture within the athletic department and relating to your office? Yeah. So when I, you know, I'm in the fortunate position of um, just entering this new role. So I feel like we had the opportunity to um, really have conversations early on, which is in our department, ask them what they want. Um, how had they been served in the past that they felt was productive to what their goals were as programs and teams, staff, what wasn't helpful? Um, where did they see room for improvement? Uh, our staff did was we we sent out a poll, a Google form with a lot of questions. 
Um, and we got a ton of feedback from all of our programs, our, all of our coaches. Uh, wait, and so that was really used as our foundation for this year. Um, you know, what are we going to keep doing? What is our thing that maybe we're going to stop doing? What are things that we need to be efficient with doing? Um, and we also have a new staff. Um, I'm in a new role. Um, one of my assistants was here last few years, came back. So he's relatively new in this new era. And then we added a third position. Um, so a lot of transition and a lot of um, new things. Um, so that was one thing that we did in terms of collaboration. And then um, I think for our staff, just trying to figure out um, how to best serve all the different needs. And in D3, um, for good and for bad, uh, we have 31 sports and we all serve all of the teams. We don't have sport con uh, specific contacts. Some D3s do, we, we don't. Um, the nice part about that is that all three of us have hands-on experience with experiences with all 31 of our teams. Um, so that means that we're all seeing things through our own lenses when we're working with those teams. We bring those to our office conversations about, you know, things that are going right, things that are wrong, just things we're seeing. Uh, and with three different people, we just, we have those different perspectives. Uh, and you know, some of us have really different relationships with teams, um, you know, strong relationship with one team because we played that sport. And uh, so that first, that is key having three different point people the work is shared so uh we're really a, a team not a, um oh, we lost there for a moment i, I think my wi-fi cut out okay <laughs> Well, we got we got the gremlins for the Halloween gremlins have arrived early today and is obviously are infesting our our technology for today. But glad glad you make it back and uh, thanks for that. Now, uh, one thing I found interesting what you talked about was with having thirty one sports and three people serving them. Yeah, I I know I don't doesn't matter what your D three D one regardless of of what school uh, you are at. Every coach, understandably so, wants the the very best for his or her sport. Uh, and there's there's all kinds of requests. Hey, I'd like this video. I'd like this social media campaign. Uh, I'd like, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Uh, and yet, obviously, you just can't do everything. Uh, what are you learning in terms of uh, being able to set boundaries and saying, yes, we can do this? Uh, no, we can't do this right now. How do you do that and, and keep up that relationship with the with the coach? Oh, that's a great question, Tony. Um, boundaries are are critical, I think, in um, for us to feel like we do have like, a, somewhat of a work life balance. So, um, I think we, of course, in our um, talk and had those conversations really early on heading into this year. We were also able to say. This is what we will provide for every team this year. Uh, with 34, we, we do um, the same every team, essentially. So, you know, football is not getting um, a ton of highlight videos for their games and then no other team or, you know, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so we really make an effort of saying, here's what we will cover for every single team, knowing also that things will come up, right? And we'll go to national. We're going to cover that team differently we might 
do a hype video, a highlight video that another team may not have had because they didn't advance that far. So kind of laying those expectations early on for the so that they know uh, what are we providing for them, how are we promoting athletes, and then what gaps will they have to fill in on their own? And then how can we supplement filling that in? Uh, so sometimes that looks like giving them a list of um, student photographers and videographers so that they can hire those students to do X, Y, and Z for their team. Thing that we you know, don't have the budget to do for one teams or time to do it. Um, but how can we kind of fill in those gaps without putting that stress and pressure on us? Um, and something that I think is really important when we do get requests throughout the season is it's okay to say no, um, but I think it's that communication. You know, why are we saying no? Um, what does it look like if we take on and what is that in our staff? Uh, and then I think times it's not just, yeah, I say, yes, I'd love to help you. We're in the middle of crossover right now. Can this project wait a week? And oftentimes I've found that when we explain what's on our plate or why, why it would be challenging to take something on in the moment, um, our coaches are like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. I was kind of just thinking about my program and I wasn't considering, you know, what that might look like for all of you. That comes down to what we talked about at the beginning of um, building that trust, building those relationships, and then you can have that tough conversation where you have to set a boundary and they don't feel like uh, you're shutting them down, don't help. Um, so that's been somewhat successful so far, but, you know, we're early in the year and, um, you know, a lot to come. So uh, that's just, those are a few things we've done, you know, worked pretty well so far. All right, good, thank you. Uh, Lisa, I'd like to move over to uh, the athletic director's uh, vision and, and uh, understanding of this. Uh, the, the popular cliche is the 30,000 foot level, but I know as, as uh, the athletic director, you can't, you can't do it from 30,000 feet. You got maybe a hundred feet above uh, uh, your 17 teams and obviously all your support units. Uh, and I know obviously nobody has enough resources. Everybody needs you know, more money, more of this, more of that. Uh, and also uh, all your support units, I know, get uh, uh, get asked and stretched for more things. You know, mm -hmm. we need more uh, support time with our academic staff. Hey, they need to spend more time with our student athletes. And, um, you know, just go forth that down the line of, of every support uh, staff gets stretched and has a lot asked to them. When you're an athletic director, how do you manage that with, uh, your coaches and teams to let them know, hey, you're supporting them, going to do everything we can, but we can't do everything. How does the, the athletic director manage that and, and keep a good culture? Yeah, well, I think Allie said it best that you got to be clear with your expectations. And we really talk about that. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, we get what we tolerate, right? And so we have to be really clear. Um, and when there's pushback, we start tolerating some of that behavior, right? So I think with us, um, the other thing I want to back on out what Ali was saying is that it's the open door for your, you know, coaches and your student athletes, but it's also, I think, and it's the relationship building as Ali was saying, and it, it, it's also, they just want to know you care, right? You look at any of our coaches, any of our student athletes, when they know there's limited resources, limited time, you know, finite of this and that, when they know you care, 
in other ways and you're showing up in other ways that goes such a long way. And I think that there's some forgiveness of other things that may not um, be able to be accomplished. So that, that relationship building is huge and it starts with, and, and I think it happened at any level. You know, one of the things that's really important to me is that I spend, I schedule 15, 20 minutes. It usually goes about half an hour, but with every single one of our new employees, I meet with them. I want them to be clear about who we are, what my expectations are, what our mission, what our vision is, and also give them the opportunity that, listen, you have fresh perspective, you have fresh eyes, help us get better because that fresh perspective goes away very quickly. Help us get better with recognizing, bringing to our attention, having an open door, whether it's with their supervisor, with me, with someone. And there's been some good things that have happened. You know, we were in this beautiful 40 plus million dollar facility that we're so proud of. We moved out of trailers and and temporary things that were, you know, it wasn't because we were in construction. That was our permanent home back, back, you know, a few years ago. And so we're really proud of this facility. And I told a, a new staff member, I'm like, hey, you know, I gave them the speech about new perspective. And and they said, hey, Lisa, why is there so many white walls in this building? And it crushed me because we're so proud of this building. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to walk around. There are still white walls on this building and we got to do some branding. And even from a, a, a communication standpoint, I had a new employee who's, who he came back months later and said, hey, you said that your door is open if we had suggestions. And he gave a suggestion about our baseball um, stadium and how we could make it more welcoming for the visiting radio. And um, and it was simply putting chair back seats, you know, it, it, where they sit. And and so those things, you know, I'm not paying attention to those things every day. It's it's everyone else who's helping with that. And so um, so I, I think I went off on a tangent. But no, I no, that's no, that's ex- <laughs> that's exactly how you build culture is listening to people. Uh, so that is, you know, that's really, that's not a tangent. That is an example of of how you build uh, culture and, and listening, uh, to your, to your folks. So not a, not a tangent at all. Exactly what we're looking for. Uh, tell us about drilling down a little bit, the your relationship that you've had with your communications offices. You've been, uh, I know your official title is vice president of intercollegiate athletics, but basically, basically athletic director, uh, of institutions now for, for 10 years, uh, 10 years ago, when you started at that, uh, social media and the video era was kind of in its infancy. Uh, it was taking hold, but just getting started, uh, 10 years later, these things have just exploded. So, uh, Tell us how you can uh, how you've built the your just your relationship with your communications offices and and how you keep their morale up and and uh, those kinds of things to 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 keep them going with all the demands they have. Sure. Well, it, it certainly has evolved right from both me as a leader and the and the industry, and, and so hopefully both of those things have improved. But for me, you know, in, in all the units that I lead, you know, I think we could say the 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 same about a lot of our departments, it, it, it is transforming and it, it's evolving. And, and as a leader, I really have worked hard on this. Um, and if anyone on my staff's on this call, they can, can call me out, but I really have worked more on, it can't just be transactional. I think early in my career, it was very, whether I was the SWA or even early in my AD year, it was very much transactional. Like we just need to get things done where Really, it's about pouring into our people and investing. And, you know, here at UTSA, we've started doing some professional development in our leadership meetings. Um, you know, we're, we're really trying to invest in sending folks to, to different conferences. And, um, and then personally, just 
folks in our department who can help to continue developing our staff is going to be really important. So I've, I, as a leader, have really had to learn it can't just be about the bottom line and about getting the work done. It has to be more transformational um, in the, the, and it goes back to relationships and, and pouring into to those that we're working with. Um, and then, you know, we always talk about hiring, you know, great people. Um, and that to me is really about, it is who you are at that time as an institution and looking for what that institution, that de department needs. Right now, I tell, we are at UTSA, we are at such a growth momentum part of our of our history right that we're only 12 years in in football our institution's only 53 years old we have a president who has a very bold vision and we're moving like the momentum is taking us and we're going to fall forward in everything that we do we are going to have lofty goals and we're going to fall forward so the folks that we're looking at right now are folks who are builders who are legacy people who are innovative uh, that's who's going to be successful. So when we talk about hiring the right people, you might have all the qualities and, and qualifications, but it just might be that one thing that we're looking at that fits UTSA today um, that's going to get get those individuals hired. So there's, um, you know, uh, and then and then as the industry changes as well, we know that there's a lot of demands on communication, sports information, um, all of us are structured differently. Um, some have bigger staffs than others. Some, you know, are able to, to do a little bit more than others. But we know the work is changing. And we know social media has changed the world. And, you know, we always talk about the strategic communication and being proactive and not trying to be reactive to, to what's out there. And um, so it's really organizing your, your organization to make sure, you know, in the resources you have, you can really um, address those needs. And then the last thing I would share is we have to get better in higher education in general, uh, maybe specific to, to sports information, but we have to get better at letting go of things that aren't moving us forward. I'm a big proponent of if it's not moving us forward, it doesn't matter that we've done it for 20 years. You know, the media guide is a great example, right? We don't need the the printed media guide anymore. And, and I think there was a lot of consternation back in the day of letting go of that, but that's what we do. And that, and, and we have, we have to evolve and the quicker we can evolve of letting things go that don't move us forward, um, the better off we're going to be serving our, our student athletes and serving our coaches. Okay, awesome. Just some great takeaways in that uh, uh, in that part of it. Reminds me of something, uh, a conversation I had with Kevin Trainer at University of Arkansas. Uh, when Kevin, of course, is one of the vice presidents of uh, CSC uh, right now and still obviously overseeing uh, strategic communications at Arkansas. Uh, and I asked him when he first got that position uh, as the head of the office, I said, what did, for a few months, what did you learn? And he said, uh, he said, Tony said, I learned I can't just keep my head down and do my job. Uh, and, you know, Kevin's a great guy, great worker. Uh, and, you know, we, we get used to coming to the office each day and and we've got our desk and we've got our laptop and we've got a gazillion emails and all the projects left over from the current from the previous day. And the, it's easy to sit there and just start working. Uh, and obviously that's important, no doubt about it. But Kevin said he learned you, you've got to keep your head up for the people around you. 
you know, for the people in the office, um, what's going on with them. You've got to spend some time with them if you want results from them. It's like uh, uh, you said, they've got to know you care. And so he, he would uh, invest time just going around the office, talking to people, find out what's going on with them and knowing what they were doing and so forth. Uh, so everyone wasn't in, in their own in their own silo. Uh, do want to remind folks that we would like questions uh, for our panelists. Uh, if you will, go into the chat feature uh, of the uh, of the call and uh, put in your question. You can do it anonymously or you can identify yourself and we will be glad to uh, put this question uh, in front of our uh, our, our panelists. Uh, uh, Allie, tell us what you do in your office because you've got three folks, but obviously you intersect with a lot of people. What do you do to keep the morale going in your office? What's What do you see as important for you? Yeah, Tony, when, when Lisa was talking about, um, I, I think she used a certain but like letting go of things that don't serve you or what moves you forward. Um, that is something that we took a hard look at, as I talked about earlier about, you know, what are we for our student athletes and everything. And in order for us to keep morale, one of the biggest things I saw when I was transitioning into this role and over the last couple of years, which we've all seen is, is burnout and people leaving the profession at high rates. And the reasoning that people continue to do that and keep saying that leaving is because they're burnt out. They don't have any time off. They're stretched too thin. And so when I took over this role, goal has been still is to ensure that, you know, nobody in our office ever feels like that, um, which can be really, really hard to do in our industry. We have a lot of demands. It's a job that is 360 days a year. Um, and so as Lisa was talking about that, it just kind of reminded me of, um, one of the biggest things we implemented this year was having a week, no matter what, each person. Uh, and I know probably on this call right now is thinking, oh, we could never do that. We have way too much going on. Um, and that's what we thought to do. Um, and the biggest thing for us was how could we be serving all these people to the best of our if we're exhausted, if we're crazy, um, we all know what it's like to work, you know, months and months and months without a day off. Um, it's not good for our mental health, good for our physical being. Um, and we're not, not doing our jobs the best of our abilities if we're, if we're tired, if we're, um, you know, our mental state isn't great. And so to keep the morale up, that was something that it was just important for our staff and something that we really wanted to do and have flexible scheduling on the days that we do come in. Um, come in at noon if you have a seven o'clock game. Um, spend the morning with your kids. Leave early and go to your kid's game. Um, take a road trip on a weekend where you don't, all your games are visiting. Um, and in order to do that, we had to do what Lisa said. What is what is moving us forward and what's not? And we, we took things off of our list that were longer serving. You know, I kind of laughed when we, the, was talking about media guides. Um, we used to do sports notes every week, recapping everything that happened in sports the week before. Um, and in this age with social media and our websites, we just felt like that was something that was no longer serving us. And it was something that had been done for 20 years, but it took four to five hours a week to do. Mm -hmm. um, that was one thing that we just said, you know what? Um, 
and we asked everybody and nobody felt like something that we still needed to do um stop that off and and we you know took away a couple of other things uh and and that's been a huge morale boost for us to have you know that day off in the middle of the week um and you know maybe for some folks that's a half a day in the middle of the week maybe it's leaving coming in late and leaving early a few days a week um we definitely struck that really different depending on what people have going on in their personal lives and being able to just balance to the best of our ability games and all the demands here with um, we're human beings and seeing friends and family is important and going to doctor's appointments are important um getting groceries is important um you know yeah, nu- has nutrition been... and eating i mean go figure <laughs> you know um so just kind of getting back to those basics was was huge for us and you know we haven't quite gotten into our so yet our postseason starts this weekend for fall and our winter sports are just gearing up so um we'll see how that goes as we get into the thick of it um we were able to accomplish it this fall season but, um yeah that was just one big thing morale boosting that we felt um we really wanted to focus on this year all right. Uh, very good. Uh, Lisa, something I'd like to put in front of you. We have a, a question from the audience. Uh, and it's, again, it's something that you you mentioned at the uh, at the start with kind of rethinking athletics and what we're doing in the in the post pandemic era. Uh, have you found yourself uh, evolving in terms of rethinking leadership roles when you're looking for leadership of a subunit? Uh in your athletic department, uh, have you rethought leadership roles? Uh, what makes a good leader? Uh, so that uh, you know the just the traditional opinions and stereotypes that we've always gone by uh, don't necessarily continue to stall the careers of underrepresented populations. So uh, tell us if 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 your thinking has evolved over the years of what do I need in a leader uh, of a of a a subunit like a communications office or one of your other subunits yeah absolutely thank you for that question and i think you know at at a high level um you know the the more diverse thought the more diversity we are getting into our departments the more um we're hearing different voices it's going to make all of us better and and obviously you know i'm really fortunate that someone took a chance on a um, Latina first generation college grad who who didn't have experience in athletics. And so I probably think about things a little bit different. I started my career in student affairs. I was a, an assistant dean of students mm-hmm. working on discipline and campus initiative, you know, success initiatives, and had zero athletic administrative experience when I moved into an SWA associate AD role. So what we do, we can learn, um, but the leadership has to come from who we're learning from, how we're, how we're self-educating ourselves, how we're open to different thoughts. Um, and that's all, you know, that, that's going to start in the culture that, that you may choose to work in. You know, when, when I talk about um, finding the right fit, well, you, as you're looking at who you want, where you want to work and who you want to work for, and I know you, you may not always get to choose that, um, but you should be particular about making sure those values align with who you are and, and how you want to grow and how you want to be valued in that department. And I think that's really important um, as you look around 
different opportunities that, you know, titles are great, salaries are great, but who you work with and for mm-hmm. um, really can change the trajectory of, of what you're doing and, and how you're serving others and, and how you're serving yourself. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, when I was talking, I was talking to our folks in our office uh, before we did uh, start this seminar, what's important uh, in terms of culture uh, in the places you've been and so forth. And I uh, got a really good comment from one of the folks um, uh, about, uh, you know, hire good people and let them do their jobs. That's a military saying, okay, well, hire good people. No kidding. You know, who doesn't want to hire good people? Um, but there is a, there is a thing out there in terms of, you know, let them do their jobs because uh, micromanaging can destroy morale as quickly as anything. Um, I'd like to get a little talk to you on, on both of y'all. How do you do that balance um, in micromanaging in terms of the people who are working for you? You know, you don't want bad stuff to go out or, or you know, bad stuff to exist. But uh, how do you do that balance between uh, too much correction or overcorrecting and and letting folks grow and, and develop into their job? Allie, do you want to take that about how you uh, how you try to look at that? Yeah, definitely. I think definitely uh, and as somebody who likes to be in control all the time it's definitely been something that um, I had to really learn to let go and instill faith in the people that are working with me uh, I think a lot of it comes down to making sure that they are prepared to take those steps and to you know delegate to people um, and then you know high-risk tasks you know, thing that, as you said, if you fail, so to speak, it's more public than others. Um, so some of it is, um, you know, starting out small. If you have somebody who's very new and learning, just you know, giving them a little bit of, um, you know, free take on project or here a project there or something that is in their skill set and work with that person. Um, to get them to a point to take on, you know, bigger and bigger projects. Um, I'm fortunate of us on our team all have really different skills. So we're constantly learning from each other, which is a really neat team environment. Um, and so, you know, I think when I transitioned into this role, we had a year of um, being very understaffed. So I was used to almost everything by myself for a year. And so then delegating it back out felt like, ah, I'm losing control. Like I I know how to do it and I know how to do it well from my perspective. Um, And now I have, you know, two full-time people and like, what do I give up? And I think that's just something that probably a lot of us struggle with. Um, It was through a lot of conversation of what do you want to take on? Um, What kind of work? do you feel like um, makes you feel valued with the team? Um, and then through those conversations, yeah, just, just delegate and um, trying to have those conversations when things aren't, you know, don't go right. Um, but also knowing that we're all, that uh, things happen so quickly that, you know, we're bound to have things just don't go well or don't go right. Um, and having those follow-up conversations after. What can we learn from this moving forward for next time? Uh, so our staff meets once a week, three of us, and then I also meet one-on-one with um, each of my assistants as well. So we're in constant communication with how things are going, um, 
but yeah, a lot of it's just having faith that you've, you've trained and that solid that you say, Hey, do you mind getting this on? Can you go do this today? Um, that they're either going to do it and do it really well, or they're going to ask you questions and feel comfortable to come in. Hey, um, you delegated this bit to me. I've actually never done that. Walk through what it looks like. Um, and so, you know, I putting all those in place where you kind of just throw somebody in here, you know, figure it out is just as important. Uh, in the end, if, if you've done that, you, you don't micromanage because you kind of set the person up for success or for experience. All right. Uh, Lisa, tell us about from the athletic director's view in terms of uh, where do you kind of draw that line between uh, hey, we got to make sure we do this exactly the way I want it or, or so forth and micromanaging too much. How do you how do you view that and see that? Yeah, well, I'm not perfect at it, but certainly empowering our staff is, is so critical. I mean, we have to we have to know that we've hired um, staff that can do the can, are competent um, and can do the job and, and we need to empower them. That being said, we also need to meet where meet our staff where they are. Right. We know. Um, particularly if, if entry level, you know, there's going to be a little bit more, um, um, mentorship happening. And, and it goes back to, again, about being transformational and, and pouring into the staff and, and really helping to develop them. I think you also have to be comfortable with knowing that people do it a different way than, than what you would do it. And it still works. And I know, um, as Ali was saying, I, I, I am control freak as well. But I think it's also the continuous feedback that I always tell my staff, I don't want anyone to ever be surprised during an evaluation that we should have been giving you this feedback all along that you know what you're really excelling at and you know where mm. your growth opportunities are. And then lastly, I would say, well, two things, role model. Um, you got to role model what you want to see more of. So if I want more empowered um, staff, then I have to, to role model that with, with the staff that I have. And, and hopefully that will trickle down. Um, and, and that um, there is, th this all comes to, to back to culture, right? That um, we, we have, we are hiring competent individuals who we want to fit the organization and the department and, and where we're at. And so again, it just goes back to the um, to helping them along and helping empowering them. And and um, oh, I'm sorry. The last thing I was going to say is, I think my staff knows when it's something whether the president wants something that's going to be really impactful yeah. in the community. They know I will probably insert myself more um, in those situations um, because they know I'm probably getting asked um, from other constituents as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And Allie touched on that actually in her discussion, talking about the high visibility uh, issues. You know, you have to pay a little more attention to those. And then, you know, there's uh, some other things that may not be quite as visible that you can let people learn on the job. And uh, Lisa loved what you uh, mentioned about the idea of other people might not do it the exact same way that you do it, but can still get it done well. And that's something I've had to learn. I had somebody tell me that several years ago. So told me that not everybody's going to do it exactly the way you do it, you know, because the way I did it was right the right way, you know. Uh, and then when I uh, started easing back a little bit and 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 discovered, well, it doesn't look exactly the same, but they got it done. They got it done pretty well. So that's a, a really good thing. And, and I think folks can encourage. Uh, do have one more audience question we want to get to. Speaking of team building, which I uh, 
I think we have touched on. Uh, do you have any suggestions for team building uh, ideas with student workers? Ways to get your students excited about the idea of getting into uh, sports information or uh, athletics in, in uh, your case, Lisa. Uh, Allie, uh, Lisa, any ideas about uh, uh, how to get your how to get students excited about what we do here in athletics? Yeah, I think generally students come in so excited about what they want, you know, whether just to be in athletics. I think that we we haven't lost that yet where there's still an excitement mm-hmm. um, and an allure of, of being with a uh, with an athletics program. And um, I think when they get into it, they realize there is a lot of work. It's not all just um, play, but there's some work in there. Um, but I think, again, it's going to go back to empowering our students, like give them more credit than you probably do that our students have so much great thought. They are connected with other students they are connected with who we're trying to get to our games. Um, they can add so much and we have to go into that mindset or have that mindset when we go into hiring students and giving them, it's not just filing, it's like really utilize their skill set and I'll, you know, I think um, athletics in general does a really good job of that, but we've, we've, I've met with students um, who have left UTSA just feeling like they have left having a full-time job and have gone on to have great internship opportunities, but because we give them, we empower them. We say, here's a project, do it. Um, you know, again, it's that on the job learning and, and making sure it's not the most important project that, that might be, have the most visibility, but that they're learning that. And so let's give our student workers a ton of, of credit um, and and confidence that they can really come up with some really unique. And that's probably my student affairs hat speaking because mm-hmm. I've, I've just always worked with students and I really believe in uh, just their, their value and what they can give. Um, and then I think too, what I have found and maybe my department's a little bit different that I just love getting to know our students. So I will take time to go as the athletic director and meet our students. And again, it's probably part of my student affairs background. Um, And I think that's meaningful to them that it's, they're being exposed to um, not just the unit that they're working in. And then of course we do um, student appreciation, like our department runs because of students and to, to show them the appreciation. So however, you can incorporate that into whether it's a pizza party, you know, students, that anything makes them really happy if it's pizza or whatever, that um, uh, those things can go a long way. All right. Thanks. Allie, do you have any uh, additional thoughts on uh, in terms of encouraging student workers, getting them going? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have anything additional that Lisa didn't touch on. I think it is, it is similar to our staff and our colleagues of empowering them and um, I remember the first game I, I had two students statting by themselves and uh, you know, made me super nervous and they did an amazing job. And so I think it's, you know, it's, it's similar to the staff. It's in, empowering them and they get really excited when they have projects that they're spearheading or that they're doing on their own adding the game um, because they feel like they are a critical part of our team. And um, you know, they are, I mean, it, most of the time it's, it's one of us and a student at a game. And so they are, you know, just as important as one of us, they're doing, you know, what we're doing. Uh, and, and one thing I wanted to kind of touch on that both of you mentioned on the last um, question, but kind of loops into this students as well, is that, um, I was kind of laughing on, you know, people can, 
um, people can do this and be the same way I would do it, but they will, they can still achieve success. And I think our students and, and our staff, um, one of the things I, I love the most as a leader and in this role is when somebody does something differently than I would have. And then I sit back and I'm like, that's way better than the way I would have done that. And I learned from them. And I think yeah, that's that so valuable. Yeah, yeah. So I think it happens with our student workers. You know, they, sh- I mean, they're way more in tune with half of the stuff that, you know, social media, graphic design, that. So a lot of the time, you know, they're teaching us new things. And so I think that's another way to make students, you know, get excited, you know, teach us. I mean, I really cool and neat. Um, and it makes them feel like a valued part of the team. So uh, just wanted to kind of loop back on that one. Okay. All right. As uh, as we get toward the, the close of today's seminar, uh, do want to kind of uh, open it up for just a, a closing thought or two uh, in terms of if you could pick out one thing about building culture, either in uh, your office or in the athletic department in the whole, what might that one thing be? Uh, I don't know whoever wants to go first, Lisa, Allie, whoever gets the gets their first idea. What's what's the most important thing for you? I, I'm going to say it's the relationship building and the investing in your human capital. Our human capital is the most important part um, to serve our student athletes. And so investing in your folks is, is really critical. All right. Well, you just took mine, Lisa. So I don't have one. Allie, do you have anything uh, uh, one that you think that's most uh, most critical for you? Well, I think we just we might have lost her. I think we may have lost we may have lost Allie. See if she popped. There's there she back is. There we go. Uh, oh. Allie, anything that you want to add in terms of building culture? Like, what's the most important thing for you uh, uh, that you would like to share? Anything else? Yeah, um, I didn't hear Lisa said so if do repeat what she chose. Um, I think, you know, the common thread today, I think we both talked about all three of us talked about was just um, building the relationships. I think that it starts with the people first. um, And I think everything comes from that. Um, And so it's, you know, it's investing in the people that are here. Um, It's, uh, you know, building that trust that sometimes takes a lot of time. Um, So that would definitely be one is just focusing on the relationships with student staff colleagues um and everyone from there all right thank you very much Allie and Lisa appreciate y'all uh joining us today and, and the great insights that you have have shared uh, we encourage you to check our website for updated information on what's uh next on tap for the college sports communicators continuing education throughout the academic year Reminder that today's webinar will be on demand later today in our attendee hub, available as both a video and a podcast. And again, thanks for being with us today.